Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So we are in this series, uh, we're just calling His Wondrous Works. I love to teach, and I can't help it, I'm going to teach a little bit, but, I, but this series I've just enjoyed maybe stepping back a little bit. We, we, last week we walked through Psalm 145, and just kind of a meditative, reflective read-through of a psalm collectively. Um, and I hope that that's affected how you're engaging Scripture and your time with the Lord throughout this season because there's just so much going on, you know. It's crunch time with gift giving. Is anybody actually done shopping? Nope. <laughs> A couple of you overachievers are actually done shopping already. Good for you, good for you. <laughs> Most of us have a few more things to do, and, and, you know, it's not just about the gifts, but it is it is a joy to be a blessing, you know. Greater, it's a it's a... More of a blessing to give than receive, isn't it? Especially when you sit back and you watch your children. And as long as they're not whining about the wrong addition or something, you know. I see a few eye rolls and head shakes. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Um, so one of the things that came up during this is I just kind of had the idea to put this list together. And if you if you haven't been a part of this series um, and you're kind of coming in the middle of it. And I know that you can't read that from where you are. You can look on the back wall, too, if you like. I'm not going to go through all these, but just as an example, I have five pages of this, and they're all different. And they're phrases like uh, just one-line phrases, kind of a distilled version of what is in this particular passage with the Scripture reference. And they all say... So from the top here, Jesus is the Word of God incarnate, John 1, 14. Jesus is above all things, Colossians 1, and that's boiled down from 15 through 20. And so there's a hundred of these uh, on five different pages. And we've posted this up on the website if you want to go to my website, um, which is just my name.com, clubbuyers.com, and you can access that. But like, so you, and so what you would want to do is use this as just a reflective, meditative process. Because what we're trying to do is, as believers, is put on the new man, right? We're trying to live within the reality of what he's done in our spirit. He's perfected us in our spirit. He's removed that body of the sins of the flesh out of us. This is Colossians 2. He's put, his, put a new heart in us. He's put his spirit within us. He's He's the spring of living water ever bubbling up and giving us wisdom and righteousness and peace and strength and joy and patience and all the fruits, but then also resting upon us, if you'll let Him, for all the gifts that you can actually lay hands on the sick and see them recover because His Spirit dwells within you. Amen? And, and so it works from the principle of this, and we looked at this last week in 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. Yeah. 
the same image as what? The glory of the Lord. Are you kidding me? He's making us actually like Him. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Is that not incredibly powerful? And, and you know, you know this already. In your spirit, you've been made perfect. If you were to pop out of your body, that part of you that's eternal and moves on, it's good to go. It can live forever and has already received the gift of eternal life. Amen. And at some point, we get these glorified bodies, and I don't know what all that looks like, and I don't know the time frame, and don't ask me to teach on it. <laughs> and when he's coming, I'm going. And I don't mean to minimize it. You know, if, if he were to lay it on my heart seriously to kind of dig in more to that, I would. But I just don't know at the moment. But, but we're in this process of his spirit on the inside of us. And so we can look at him with an unveiled face. And as we behold him, the effect is we become like him. And I feel like that that's what this process does is that you go through, now, not the parts that where it's talking about Him being God. You're not God. You're not going to become a God. But through His great and precious promises, He's made you qualified to be a partaker of His divine nature. A partaker of His divine nature. Are you kidding me? That's what this is talking about. Because He's made you a partaker of His divine nature, the kind of being that He is, you participate in that nature and all the benefits of it eternal life even backing its way into this dimension. And that happens in this way, beholding Him, looking into His face, looking into His glory as if it's a mirror. So in other words, when you look at Him, you should see you. And this is how you overcome sin and fear and anxiety and confusion and all the destruction from your past and trauma is you look at Him for elements to bring you wholeness. Whatever you're lacking, wherever the deficiency is, wherever the brokenness is in you, you look to Him and you see the wholeness in Him and then it's reflected back into you Amen. by His Spirit. Amen? Amen. Because, and that's mind renewal unto transformation. That's repentance. Change the way that you think. Lay down your horrible self-opinion. Lay down those judgments that you made about yourself because you keep messing up over and over and over. i got to be careful who I look at when I say that. <laughs> Are you with me? Because it's the way out. It's the way out of sin. It's the way out of fear. It's the way out of just being locked in darkness and the doom and the gloom that this world has to give you. It's to look at Him and then recognize, ooh, that's in me too. And then you start to think, oh man, wow, actually, that is in me. You know, He is I am, and He is that in me. He's the Son of Man who came to seek and save the lost. That was me. He's the living water. You know, we read that, and that's nice and poetic and interesting, but is that a reality to you? The living water in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to your physical body, giving peace to your soul. 
not just so that you get to sit back and have a nice life and while the rest of the world burns, but so that you can then be that light in the darkness as well. Amen. And we limit ourselves so much and call it humility. And it's just not. It's, it's just letting religion continue to define you and shape you rather than who He is. Who Christ is should be defining and shaping you, Amen. producing within you the fruit that is a product of His Spirit. And we've been talking about this. And so, you know, again, I just, I'm just wanting to elevate our thinking. You know, I'm wanting to lift up our minds, lift up, there's a, pro, there's a psalm, lift up your head, O ye gates, O ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory should come in, shall come in. How about this worship team? Show them some love. Appreciate you guys. And when they get inspired and go like that, you know, most of you pick up on it, but in that moment, they didn't, that wasn't rehearsed and planned, was it? That part about the Messiah. Oh, man, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's just like heaven echoed into the earth. I geek out in my mind and I start thinking about the quantum stuff, you know? Like, like if you have two particles in this dimension, you have two particles and they become entangled and you can remove them hundreds of miles apart from each other and affect one. You have a neutron, you have an electron and you've affected it with a particular charge and then you affect it to spin or turn or do something, it instantly affects the other one as well. They're, they're entangled. They're they're electromagnetically connected even though they're hundreds of miles apart. And, and you affect one and it affects the other. It's like that's how it is with us and God. Where He is in that heavenly dimension is the same as what it is on the inside of us. Amen. That righteousness that God is on His throne eternally forever and ever is in you. You are the house of the living God. And what does it look like for that spirit to leak out and affect your thinking and your choices and your health and your generosity and your peace? You know, we just, let's just think of Him. And we, a lot of this is anchored in Psalm 145 where it says, I will meditate on His wondrous works. To me, one of the most fascinating things about this whole salvation journey is the fact that God stepped into humanity to deliver us from sin and death. Hebrews 2.14 Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. You know, it's, it's interesting when you start to think about what he did, who he was, what he was like here in this earth. God became human. Now, I get in trouble when I go into this sometimes because people start thinking that you're saying that Jesus isn't God. I'm not saying Jesus isn't God. But I think if you truly grasp what he did in Christ and the kind of being that Jesus became, it helps you understand more what he's, how He can deliver you. So let's talk about that a little bit. Hebrews 2.14, Inasmuch 
then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that little baby in a manger. Praise God for Mary, his mother, who believed, who became a receptive vessel for the conception, the miraculous conception of the seed of God in this earth. You know, the way that I see it is God is in that eternal dimension. And because He gave mankind dominion over this planet, a human being had to be the one to deliver humanity. God couldn't just, he'd, it'd be breaking the rules if God said, well, whoops, let me just fix that as God. But human, a human had to do it. And I see this, I just see the plan of salvation is God and outside of time, outside of this universe, outside of even the heavens which were created, this being, that there's only one of them, there's only one of him. I mean, what kind of being is that? You ever thought about it like that? I don't mean like an alien on another planet, but, but kind of like he's this being that is. You go to the deepest core of everything that exists, and it's just Him. And, and, and that power is self-described as love and life and light. And I just see the essence of that desiring relationship, not from a place of lack, but birthed out of love, to have a family, to have you. And it, and, and it had to be where he gave us free will in this dimension, and he set us charge over it like he's in charge of everything else. And we messed it up. That's why the world, that's why there's sin and death and darkness and confusion and job loss and early loss and abuse and all the stuff. It's not because God planned it and is playing puppetry with your life. It's because he said, I'm going to express myself into this race called humanity, this species called humans, but, and, but they're in my image. They're creators like me. They're, they're ruling and reigning over this planet like I rule and reign over everything else. And we messed it up, but the only legal way into that dimension to do anything about it was as a human being. As much as the children partake of flesh and blood, he himself likewise also, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. And he destroyed the power of death over you. But I just see this all-sufficient, powerful, unlimited being recognizing the darkness of our planet, but still having compassion and love. And like a seed out of a garden, he takes the seed of life and he plants it into this earth. And that is Christ as a human to bring light from the inside out from the heart, through the hearts of people. That's what's happening. God planted His kingdom in the earth in Christ. Amen. And then the mystery is that kingdom is in you because Christ is in you. That kingdom is growing in this earth in you and through you. And the way that it grows is you yielding to bear out the fruits that that seed grows. What kind of fruit grows from God planting His seed 
into this earth. When His tree grows, what is it? It's Christ. But then the fruits of that Spirit is what? It's just patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, righteousness, peace, and joy. It's, it's, it's not what you build. It's, it's the degree to which you let His life be reflected his light be reflected in your life. That's what brings Him glory. Amen. And you are being shaped into the image just like Him. What a fascinating mystery. It's the mystery throughout the ages. Christ in you, the hope of glory. <laughs> and that's growing. Can you feel it? Honestly, can you feel that light, His power, His life, that river of life springing up? Man, that's where you go when you need anything. When you don't know where to go, that's where you go. You let that light and that fruit grow. It's already there. And I'll give you a hint. Let it grow before you need to eat it. So before you need patience, nurture and cultivate His Spirit on the inside of you so that you become a patient person so that in the moment you're not freaking out hoping He'll give you some patience. Or faith. You're not freaking out hoping He'll give you some faith. Amen. I don't know what to do here. I want to get into a situation where I'm freaking out and I'm like, wait a minute, I know what to do because I've spent time with Him and I know what this Word will do in this situation. And the power is in my mouth to speak and I will speak. I will declare and see the salvation of the Lord in this earth. We are change agents, hope bringers, life bringers. Am I getting too dramatic? I feel like I'm getting a little dramatic here. <sighs> I just feel it. You know, I just, man, I just, I just know what His Spirit does. And I want to invite others into it. I want them to know you can let it all go and watch Him work in you. It's not about what you build. It's not about your job. It's not about your money. It's not about this or that. It's Him. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Amen. That he would destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Say, that's me. That's he gives me aid. Say that with me. That's me. That's he gives me aid. He helps me. He never leaves me. He always strengthens me. Now, do you believe that? And do you lean on Him for that? Do you know how to do that? Therefore, in all things, this, this is, are you kidding me? That, it, to me, it's so empowering and encouraging and peace-bringing. He became like me. And as I behold Him, I'm becoming like Him. Therefore, in all these things, he had to be made like his brothers, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. This is what the death of Christ is about. It's not about the appeasement of the wrath of an angry God. Even though God is wrathful toward sin, and there is anger 
from God towards sin and evil. But, it, but, but the atonement and the death of Christ and the shedding of His blood was not so that an angry God could be appeased and then be happy. It's that He had to become like us so we could become like Him. He had to become your sin on that cross so that you could be set free and delivered from sin. He had to pass into that grave as you and destroy the power of death on your behalf so that in Him you are delivered from death. Amen. It's an exchange more than it is a blood sacrifice to make God happy. Are you with me? There's an exchange in it. And that's how you got to see the cross. Whatever you're going through, you see it in Him. It's that entanglement thing. You got this sin on the inside of you? Well, it was in Him. Let it go. He already paid for it. You got this death growing in you? You constantly think this way and it ends up in this cycle all the time, over and over and over? It was in Him. Let it go. He paid for it. Not only did He pay for it in terms of a legal payment on the cross, because when He said, it is finished on the cross, it, it, that, that phrase is more properly translated, paid in full. The sin debt was paid. The judgment was finished. But then He passed into that grave to conquer death. And He held on to the promise that God made Him in that grave, that you will be a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And I've been encouraging you to go through the Psalms and see the prophetic nature of the Messiah's words and emotions and thoughts in the Psalms. You see it in Acts 2. You see it in Hebrews 1 and 2. Those authors dramatically use the Psalms to, to show you, no, this was, yes, it's David prophesying, but what he was prophesying is the actual words of the Messiah. And you get so much rich depth of understanding of what he went through and what he suffered for you. You identify with his sufferings on your behalf in that exercise. And all things he had to be made like you. Do you get that? Do you understand that? I hope that you do. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation, to, to satisfy wrath, but to have this exchange for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, He's able to aid those who are tempted. And, and this, is the this is the lie of religion, is that God's mad at you when you sin, that you fall out of grace or that you fall out of His favor or that you fall out of His awareness or He's, you know, if you're in sin, He's, ugh, you know, He's so repulsed by you, He's got to turn His head away from you or something like that. No, He's like, no, I, he's, he's looking at you. Like, listen, listen, listen. I'm, you, this is what you have to understand. On that cross, he struggled with your darkest, deepest sins that you've ever engaged or thought of or anybody on the planet has ever encountered. He struggled with the temptation of that stuff because God made him like us on that cross so that as he broke its power, he, we could become like him. So on that cross... He faced it all. In life, He faced it all. But on that cross, He became like us. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. 
So when you're struggling, and you've got to know He paid for it. He delivered you from it, and then He can help you through it. Amen. You don't have an excuse for sin anymore when you really grasp what atonement is all about. And it's not just about the sin, it's just the darkness, the, the hopelessness that we live in. The questioning, you know, when you sit and you look at the world and you're like, mm, really, God? That's what's going on in this earth? You're struggling with maybe relationships with your family. It feels just, ah, man, you know, the people that you love and the burdens that they go through. Pray for them as if He's in them and they can experience the freedom that He purchased for them. Pray for them as if it's already a reality for them, as if you're declaring it within them. And if they're a believer, all the better. If they're not, just still pray for them. I'm not saying God lives in them like He does in a believer, but pray for them as if it's already true for them. Amen. And then if you don't know how to pray, pray with your spirit. Pray, pray in tongues. It's perfect prayer, the Spirit praying through you for them. That's what it is. Jesus said it. They'll pray with unknown tongues. I'm going to talk more about that in the new year because it's a gift that we're not utilizing that's incredibly powerful. Some of y'all have been taught it's evil, depending on your denominational background, and I'm not going to make you line up and force you to do it. <laughs> but quit waiting. few more passages it just kind of unpacks all this really skipping to Hebrews 4 14 seeing then that we have a great priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus the Son of God let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but in all points tempted as we are yet without sin let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace the throne of what grace. man that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And grace is strength. Grace is not, grace and mercy are different things. He sits on a mercy seat, but it says, the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace. There's two different things. Mercy is, well, bless your heart, you old dummy, you. I love you anyway. That's how he talked to me. But grace is, but so that you don't have to stay in that. Let me breathe life. Whew. Power, strength. Like I pray in a real way, not in a mystical way, not in a ooey-gooey, just emotion-driven way, but in a real way because there's substance to spirit. You know, that like, like somebody was talking about taking vitamin C. Why do you take vitamin C? Well, they were sick and they wanted to nourish their immune system. You know, it's like the Holy Spirit is the ultimate spiritual vitamin C, strengthening. Going into your body, giving your uh, metabolic system and your immune, immune processes the building blocks that it needs to build the proper T cells and all the structure that it needs to go and eradicate the illness and the sickness out of your body and bring healing. That's what your body, your immune system, you want to know what the Spirit of God is like? Spend some time learning about the immune system. Learn, learn about how miraculous this factory of health on the inside of your body right now is moving through, finding these cells that are broken and damaged, and you 
and it just eats them. You ever watch videos of that? I'm, just, I'm telling you, it's amazing. I mean, a lot of it's animation, but you get, it's an animated version of what a cell looks like attacking a cancer cell or, or repairing genes. And, you, and then you see these genes crawling across. Boop, boop. <laughs> I'm just in my mind. Did you say that's Batman? Oh, Pac-Man. But, but I'm telling you, right now, there are trillions of processes going on inside your body so that you would be in health because that's the way God wants you to experience this planet. Health and life. And we all know our body functions better when we eat better. Amen. How much more the Spirit of the living God it's got those T-cells. I keep going back to T-cells, but it's the, the, the spiritual nutrients to make your anxiety whole so that it's peace. The spiritual vitamin to go into your thinking processes so that you have hope and not death expectation. So that you don't constantly go back to, well, this is what every time I do that, this is what happens. Well, guess what's going to happen? That's how you think. Let His Spirit build and make whole your thought processes, your expectations, how you think about things. He, Jesus is made unto you wisdom. I'm telling you, if you wanted it, there's never a time where you don't know what to do. You've got the mind of Christ living on the inside of you. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. Do you see the exchange? The just for the unjust. He suffered the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. What? Bring you to God? I play movies in my mind when I read stuff like that. Bring me to God? I mean, I'm having a moment. I'm just think, I'm thinking of Colossians where it says that He has made us unblameable and unreprovable, perfect in His sight. And He offers us to God. And He looks and He says, look, look what I did. You remember that guy? Look what I did. And He's offering you this perfect thing. Now, you can just read Scripture and try to get the doctrine out of it and call this emotionalism. And, you know, whatever. That's fine. Academic approach. But, man, there's life in engaging and knowing Him. I love that that's what you were singing. Watch, watch where we go. Where I'm pointing. I'm trying to find Adam. <laughs> you were singing. What was the phrase you said? That the God that we know. Yeah. Watch. The boy's prophesying didn't even know it. For Christ, so the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And that Spirit's making us alive continually. Who has gone into the heavens and is at the right hand of God, and he has seated you with him in that place. When it says he's raised you and seated you in heavenly places, that's what it's talking about. Angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. And this is one of his final prayers. This is John chapter 17. This is before uh, 
he allowed himself to be arrested to go to that cross for us. This is just the mindset of Jesus. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven. So this is John 17, 1. Lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, and this is Jesus. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. Now, what's he talking about? The cross. Yes. And he's also talking about passing into that grave. There's so much depth to be mined out of his experience, post-cross, pre-resurrection. As you have given him authority over all flesh, now Jesus is talking about what God has done through the Son, which he's talking about himself, but he's almost, you know, it's like he's, he's starting to grasp back his former identity. As you have given him authority over all flesh, now that's key. He had to become a human. He had to become a human being to deliver humanity from darkness, from sin and death. He became like you. He knows what you're going through. As, he, as you've given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life. What does it say? That they may know you. That's eternal life. That word know in the Greek is the Greek word nosko. And it's not talking about intellectual information. It's talking about an experiential knowledge. That you know God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I've glorified you on the earth. I've finished the work that you've given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I don't know, man. I've spent probably years thinking about this from the perspective of these other passages that he read, that he, a miracle happened in God stepping into humanity, limiting himself in all ways like we are. Now, he didn't sin. He wasn't a sinner by nature. He didn't, ever, he didn't have to be born again because his father was God. But remember, the demons would come and they'd say, what are you doing here, son of God? You shouldn't be doing this. Have you come to punish us before the time? He's like, nope, I'm the son of man. In other words, I'm a human being doing these things. What you going to do about that? <laughs> and the demons, what? You mean a human? can do this now? Uh-oh. And then he gives us that authority. And, as Ephesians says, the great mystery is that God is now bringing all things in heaven and earth together in Christ. The ultimate restoration. The ultimate deliverance of all of creation. And I'm not saying everybody's saved because there is an end. There is a final judgment. The sheep are separated from the goats. The goats go into the lake of fire. 
sin and death are destroyed in that place, the fallen angels, all the wickedness and evil thrown in that final judgment, whatever that looks like, it's coming. And then there's a judgment for us, but not for righteousness, but for reward's sake. So watch your mouth. Especially towards yourself. <laughs> and that's not a fear of punishment. It's just that final justice, right? But he knows what it's like to be you. I just want to end on this idea here. this one. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of Hebrews 2.14, partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him. And then I just want to finalize that was, that, I was just kidding. This is one I really wanted. <laughs> the just for the unjust. They're all good. <laughs> My mind just keeps jumping around. But do you, do you get that? Do you see that? You know, so, so the, the prayer that I would hope would be that the effect is it changes how you see you. And it changes what you think is possible for you. And it changes how you see God. And it gives you some strength. I am sick and tired <laughs> of the body of Christ walking around with this false humility, pretending as if everything bad that happens to you, you're supposed to embrace it because God's doing it for some weird reason to bring Him glory, and oh, woe is you. There's so much self-righteousness within Christianity these days. Well, I just don't know. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Well, Job repented from saying that. Uh-oh, that's a whole nother track right there. <laughs> Job was wrong, in case you were wondering. And he admitted so. Read the whole book. What's the point? The point being, don't, don't, don't let your flesh be satisfied in embracing and thinking that you're just a sinner, saved by grace, but I'm going to trust Him. I just can't ever quite seem to make it. I just can't ever quite seem to have victory. I'm just, well, bless God in my humility, I'm my brokenness. He's <laughs> It's, it's, it, it's, ah, it's like your kid walking up to you. Shut up. Does that make sense? Am I, am I mumbles? Am I communicating what I'm trying to say? You know, it's like, get over it. I mean, I understand you've been through some stuff. And the stuff that you've been through is hard and difficult and challenging. And you may even be hurting right now. You may be suffering with something that nobody really knows what you're suffering with. But he knows. 
the just for the unjust, death for life, sadness for joy, Amen. disease for health, stinginess for generosity. I mean, what is it for you? Give me some more. Fear for faith. Nobody wants to tell on themselves. No, but you got to think about it for a minute, you know. Hate for love. Anxiety for peace. Anger for joy. Loneliness for companionship. There's a lot of loneliness. Loneliness. And we embrace it. Y'all ready for sermon number two? <laughs> And I've said it many times, and you know where I'm going with the loneliness thing. It's a choice. If you come in, I don't care where you go. If you're watching online, you go to church, wherever you are, even in your own family, and you're like, you have this mind, well, I just don't know if I fit in here. I just, you know, I just really, these people all really kind of feel like they got, and I see them, what was me? I don't know. Get over it. Invite yourself to lunch. <laughs> go to a home group. Meet some people. I mean, what are you waiting for? A pacifier stuck in your mouth to make you happy? That may have been a little too far. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> <clears throat> that's not how I feel about I, But you know what I'm saying. Don't do that. You're, a, you're an adult. Don't let that thread separate you from the joy of companionship in the body of Christ. You think about somebody, shoot them a text. Hey, man, you're awesome. I just want you to know this is what I was thinking about. This scripture, I thought about this scripture, I thought about you, here you go. Whatever. You see somebody in the Walmart with their child and you see that they're patient and they're loving and they're happy and they're smiling. I just want to point out, hey, I, you don't know me, but I just think it's great that you guys are having fun here today. You know, whatever. Life. And then maybe it opens up a door to take it further. Another blessing. Another step into. Don't let yourself be taken out of the game because you're nurturing loneliness. An excuse is still an excuse, no matter how good the reason is to hold on to that excuse. Amen. You're not a victim. He has set you free. He has delivered you from all that holds you trapped. Will you let him be that faithful high priest that aids you and delivers you? Will you just let him do that? And then spill out onto others. You know, he's not looking for big, giant monuments and memorials built up to him. He's looking for those secret, in private, 
unobserved acts of love and kindness that point people to him. That's what he celebrates, that nobody sees. Nobody knows that you did it. You will be rewarded greatly for such a life. But you're not going to do that if your mirror is pain. I have an excuse to stay this way. If the mirror that you're looking into reflects back to you, holding on to the pain, holding on to the depression, the mirror's got to be Christ. Ooh, that's kind of, and it's kind of hard to look at. Well, I don't know if I see that in there. Ooh. I don't know if I can see myself as actually joyful. I see him as joyful, so see him as joyful. Long enough that you start, it starts to reflect back into you. It's not, you can't do it. You see it in him, it's reflected back into you. And then you've got to step into it. Because what will happen is if you see it in him, grace sparks up on the inside because it's in him, it's in you. Grace sparks up on the inside, but then you've got to step into it. You've got to then step into it. And the next thing you know, your sphere gets bigger and bigger of what you allow yourself to step into to let him use you, which I think is why the word that Bob brought is good. You know, you have a purpose and a calling. Step into it. Amen. Amen. Stand up with me if you would. We let Chris get out of here. So we'll close with no music, but it's all good. Jesus, we trust you. Yeah, not that. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't know what you're going to take out of this. I, I, I know what I'm taking. I'm taking just this idea of whatever I want to see in me, I want to see it in him and then let it be reflected in me because his spirit is shaping me into the same image. I don't have an excuse, but that's a joyful expectation. That's not doom and gloom. That doesn't produce a heaviness. That doesn't produce a sense of obligation where I've got to now get in my own strength. I'm still going to live by His grace, His power on the inside of me. It's the only way I can do it. So, Father, thank You for this incredible plan of salvation that You, somehow in ways that we can't grasp with these minds that we have now, stepped into this earth and into humanity to break the power of death. Your faith, Jesus, is stronger than death. Death couldn't hold you in that grave. Literally, your power is more than death, and you've delivered me from death. So I have no fear of it. And I just want, I want to see you in the mirror, and then I want to help others see you in their mirrors lifting them up, helping them have hope to trust you. Because we can do nothing for people apart from the Spirit of God that bears fruit within them. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for sustaining us and strengthening us. For everybody in this room, everybody watching, listening. We just draw on that living water that's on the inside of us. wholeness, unity with Christ, unity in the body. 
I refuse to let anything drive a wedge between me and the body of Christ. No matter, no matter what we're committed to, loving our brothers and sisters to the degree that the world looks at it and says, mm, I want some of that. So we take you with us as we follow you into the rest of this Christmas season, this worshipful Christmas season, putting you first. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We give you glory and honor. We lift you up in this place and we magnify you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, we praise you. Thank you, Lord. And everybody said amen. amen. All right, man, that's good stuff. Give him some praise. Give him some praise. Thank you, Lord.